Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today I have internet superstar, Ethan Sherwood-Strauss oh. from ESPN.com. <laughs> uh, live from a hotel room uh, not far away from me in Portland, where uh, where we are on the, the next leg of our you know nationwide Warriors Circus Tour. And uh, Ethan, how, how has it been so far? It has been all the circus it was promised to be, man. It is, you know, I didn't anticipate that the team would look this shaky out the gate, but really the shakier they are, the more interesting they are. Is that your take on the situation? 100%. 100%. I mean, this, you know, when I initially talked to my bosses about coming out here uh, and living out here for the year and being around the team, I stressed that I thought it was important that we were around the team a lot, uh, both at home and on the road early in the season. Because if you went back and looked at when LeBron went to Miami and when LeBron went back to Cleveland, all of the weird stuff that happened with those teams happened in the first month to six weeks. And then eventually those two teams both had so much talent that they eventually figured it out and rattled off a huge winning streak. And I think that this team will not be much different where they will take a while to get used to each other and figure out what they have to adjust from before. And then once they do, they'll rattle off a whole bunch of wins and people will forget that they had a few weeks where they weren't quite sure what to do. Yes. And that said, we did trade uh, Draymond off the team for DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> during our Salt Lake City layover. That did happen. That, that did, that did. Not that we're did. overreacting. <laughs> we did have an extended discussion about, uh, about whether that trade did make any sense. Um, which, which I think, I think does reinforce, uh, kind of the the insanity in inside of the uh inside of the bubble i mean look you you wrote you wrote about Draymond before the year uh before the season started you know you've been around this team for several years now um how what what is different between say what this is like right now and um obviously the the success level is a little different because the the last two years the team came out flying but what what has been different about about this year compared to the last couple with this Warriors team? Well, this was a pretty good observation made during the Pelicans-Warriors Pelicans, Pelicans Warriors games by, by Jeff Van Gundy during the broadcast. I, I don't know if he said anything else, um, but he did say Maybe that— Maybe he didn't say was, a single other word for two and a half No, hours. no. He said that there wasn't—he didn't see as much celebrating on the bench. Now, I somebody conveyed this to me. I didn't— I, I wasn't watching the broadcast, and I'm not sure if he said anything else why during are you, the broadcast. Why are you not saying who conveyed it? Um, I can't quite remember. It came down to me. I thought whoever, oh, however, it was, it was a mean oh, at dinner. Oh, it was a mean at dinner. <laughs> yes. See, it's all a blur. <laughs> I thought you were just not, I thought you were just intentionally not giving our friend a mean credit. I wasn't. <laughs> then a mean takes me on this wild goose chase of an evening through Phoenix. And I, I, it all became a blur, yeah, but you, I, I wanted to give me a shout a road, out. You're not a road creature. So it, I'm not a road it, creature. A, a week Definitely. on the road has you longing to do laundry. So this is this is true. This is true. Uh, there are socks to darn. But I mean, uh, shout out to Amin for for helping us get a, a fantastic dinner at Pizzeria Bianco's. Fantastic where he place it, in Phoenix. Oh, the best. Incredible place where I think he might have he might have said that. And I think it's true. There's not as much joy right now. Maybe that's the pressure. Maybe that's just the absence of hilarious personalities like Marie Spates and Leandro Barbosa. Uh, but it's not it doesn't have that effervescence, Tim, that it had uh, during the first two years of Kerr. No, I agree. And I, I think I really think that it is it is the absence of guys like like Barbosa and uh, 
and Spates and even guys like Festus Azili and Andrew Bogut. Not that those guys are um, same kinds of personalities, but like the Warriors team of the last couple of years had this kind of disparate group of people. You had you know you had Steph and Clay who were both kind of quiet, like just show up and do their work, guys. Then you had you know Draymond, Draymond Green, who's just you know running around yelling at everyone all the time. And then you had you know Leandro Barbosa and Murray Spates, who were kind of just off in the corner doing their own thing. And you had Andrew Bogut, who was this you know you know semi right wing political person who was saying all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. And like you just had this locker room that had all of these. It was this ecosystem with all of these different characters in it, right? And now you look at the Warriors and. I don't like they have a bunch of nice guys on the team. It's not that they have any real. I mean, JaVale McGee is, I think everybody knows is kind of a a lunatic, but they Mm -hmm. have, they have a team of generally just a bunch of nice, quiet guys from beginning to end. And I I think like, I like, you know, we were both at dinner when me mentioned that and we both were kind of looking at the bench yesterday. And I, you know, I was talking to some people around the team about the last couple of days. And I do think it is interesting that this team is just a bunch of like show up and go to work guys other than really Draymond. It, it, it is just kind of a different vibe around the team than before. Well, you had a, you had an interesting theory on the bench, which is yes, the bench starts off with two guys who are, who are really good for bench guys in in Andre Goodall and Sean Livingston, but they don't have guys who change the energy of the game in the way Leandro Barbosa did. And in the way most Spates did, and that's a significant difference and perhaps a hindrance to what they're trying to do. Yeah, they have a weird – it's a weird team, right? Because, like, the, obviously we came into the season and they just had an overwhelming amount of talent, like even more than that first Miami team. And so we, we both, I think, kind of thought, yeah, they're going to come out here and kind of roll along. And, and look, the preseason they came out and kind of did just roll along and, and really stomp people for the most part. Um but, yeah, I, I, mean, I think they they got a fifty point lead on the Clippers in the time 50, it took me, the time it took me to drink a glass of water. Essentially, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but you know they do really only have three guys who can score. Um, they're three of the best guys in the world at scoring, uh, in, in Steph Clay and, and Kevin Durant. But they really only do have three guys that can do it. And look through these first three games, Clay Thompson has really not it basically hit a shot. And it's not to me, it's not a coincidence that. In those three games, the Warriors, I mean, obviously, let's set aside the Spurs game when they just got routed, but the last two games, if Clay Thompson is shooting at a normal percentage, the Warriors probably win both games by 25 points. But yeah. if they don't have all three of those guys playing like that, they're going to muddle through a lot of these games because they don't have anybody else that can really do it. Well, it also seems a little crowded. I know that this will regress and these shots will drop and the offense will be fine eventually, uh, but... It's it's difficult to establish a rhythm um, when so many people can command the ball, and you know, in a lot of teams, you start to get hot. Um, and I know that it's disputed whether the hot hand theory is a thing, but I do think that there is a run of um, there there is a run of comfort, and also when you're when when the defense is paying attention to you, um, you can use that as a decoy to find other people. And there just isn't that confidence that you're going to get the ball back. And uh, I thought, and I mentioned it in the little game column afterwards in the Phoenix game, uh, Steph explodes for uh, eight points in maybe about a minute 30. He scored eight um, and really couldn't get the ball back on the next four possessions. I think he had one touch 
Um, so he didn't really get the ball back and then he didn't shoot for the next 10 plays and then everything kind of went to hell and it became a game right. when it looked like they were about to blow him out. And I, I don't know if that's going to continue. Um, but I, I think that was an illustration of some of the difficulties when so many guys or not so many guys, but the three guys, the three guys, uh, could command the rock and score. No, I, you made that point right away as it was happening. And I think that was right. And like, you know, you even mentioned like, for instance, Sean Livingston, who, you know, isn't an important guy on the team, but Sean Livingston's a guy who is at his best when he has the ball in his hands. Cause he's not a guy who's a shooter. He can't really space the floor. So, you know, he can do some duck-ins for dunks on the baseline and stuff, but generally he's at his best when he's got the ball in his hands and he can run some pick and rolls and, and move the ball. Around. Yeah. He, but if he, he got really comfortable and side pick and roll with spades and now he's not there. Now it's even more crowded on the, on the wings. You have Durant now in the fold and you have McCaw making a little bit of noise, uh, a noise that sounds like a bird call. Um, <laughs> by the way, with McCaw out, Sean looked a little more comfortable last game. Right. He had um, the ball a little bit more and you know, mm-hmm. he, he did a couple of his post-ups, but, but yeah, I think, I think your point, your point about Steph, I think, applies to a lot of these guys where it, it does seem like everybody is still, you know, and understandably, given it's only a couple games in, trying to um, trying to kind of figure out where their space is within everything. And I think that's a big reason why we've seen these guys get off to such an uneven start. Yeah. And teams seem to be coming at them with more energy uh, than they are coming at those teams. Uh, I remember just how fired up the Suns were when they were making that run. I remember uh, Jared Dudley after the Suns scored, grabbing the ball and giving this enthusiastic, uh, just cross-court chest pass to the referee uh, to inbound it to the Warriors. And the Warriors aren't really matching that. Um, And that's a little surprising considering how new this all is. Well, this is something I was talking to somebody with the team over the weekend, um, and they they brought this up to me. Uh, Yeah, this is new this year, but think back to the last couple of years and how much effort, you know, particularly those top three guys, Steph, Clay, and Draymond put into the regular season. You yeah. Know, that first year, Steve's, you know, Steve Kerr's first year as coach, you know, the, the Warriors were kind of this team that came out of nowhere, except for Ethan Strauss, who predicted them to win the championship. And, uh, you know, they, they Bef- kind before, of, back before I betrayed them. That's right. And, you know, back before yes. you betrayed them. With my but, evil uh, sources. But, yes. uh, but you, you know, like nobody else really saw them coming in quite the way that, that you did. And so they came out like a house of fire and took the world league by storm and, you know, kind of stormed through the season. And, and they, they really were out to prove a point because they'd never done this before. Then you fast forward to last season or you go back to last season when, um, you know, again, they come into the regular season. People are saying that it was a fluke that they won. People, people are saying they can't do it again. And so all these guys come back even more driven to prove that the year before wasn't a fluke. They have everybody come back. They get off to this great start. And then it's like, well, we got to go for the record now. So then they're going through the season full board to try to get the record. And I do wonder if, you know, for those three guys, you know, what is the motivation for them to play from now until April, especially with the way last season ended? Like what if they they just need to get back to the playoffs to kind of erase everything that happened? And even Kevin Durant, here's a guy, you know, for what, for the last six years, he's been in the, the Western Conference Finals. I mean, this is a guy, he's been in the NBA finals. Like this is a guy who's, you know, more than used to getting through the regular season. And, and his team last year, the Thunder, 
How many times did they just shut off in games and blow leads and just kind of mess around as the year went along? So, you know, whoever, you know, the guy I was talking to kind of said, look, you know, maybe like our guys are, I could see our guys struggling to, um, to have that kind of energy they need throughout the season. And I think, you know, especially when you see all these other teams who every game are going to be coming out a million miles an hour trying to beat the Warriors, you know, I, I think that might be a problem that we see on a lot of nights when they're not playing, you know, some team that they really feel like they need to get up for. Yeah, and there isn't an intimidation factor either with this team like there was when they had Festus Azili at full health before uh, before the knee surgery and, and Bogut down low. There is a means to attack them. There is right. uh, there is a path. T- teams know that they can they can do something yeah, that will times, succeed. How many times have we already seen Zasa Pachulia at the rim, you know, in the right position and guys just going over him anyway? Yeah, that little hesitation by Bledsoe. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that did not look good. Um, so that also that's that's a flaw, and it's one where I don't quite know. I don't quite know what they do about it. Maybe making a bunch of three pointers uh, will just more than make up for it. But it certainly isn't going as easily or as smoothly as um, most of us expected, I would say. And I thought Draymond had good perspective on it and was saying the right things after the Phoenix game that he would rather uh, peak late than peak early and said, and I think it's true that they peaked early the year before. So I think we do have to remember that just because there are flaws now, it doesn't necessarily mean um, that this team is doomed. Not that anyone's jumping to that conclusion as I contradict myself 80 times. But, you know, that was a good spin. That was good. That was good PR by uh, Draymond Ritter after the Phoenix game. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how many people are going to get that. No, not but, enough. But it, it was a good line. Um, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I think that, you know, more people are are ready to jump off of the the bandwagon than than you might expect. I mean, this is just kind of it's just kind of how these things go, right? Everybody everybody says that the Warriors are gonna, you know, like your your company to have that whatever it's called, the basketball, the BPI, I think it's called basketball, whatever that index thing is, and it, you know, the the, the day of the season opener. You know, on the bottom line, they keep flashing all day that the Warriors are going to be favored in 80 out of 82 games, and the only two games they won't be favored in are the two games in San Antonio, and then six hours later, they lose by 30 points and are never in the game against the Spurs, <laughs> and then it becomes, well, this team is going to lose to the Clippers in the playoffs or lose to the Spurs, or, you know, they're not even going to get to the NBA Finals, you know? Yeah, that we will we will ride the very Miami Heat 2010 roller coaster. You think they're going to lose? Uh, you think they're going to lose the? Por- I don't. When is this podcast going up? It's going to go up Tuesday. No, it's going up Tuesday morning. Yeah, okay. I, I I'm I'm fascinated by this game Tuesday night. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated because we saw in that last game of the preseason the the the, uh, the Blazers came into Oakland and they looked like a team that was out to prove a point. Just like the Warriors were out to prove a point in that first game against the Clippers when they were up by five trillion points in five minutes, you know the the, the Blazers come out, they take a twenty-two to six lead, and yeah, the Warriors went on a huge run and you know stormed back in the game and eventually won. But um, you know this Portland team is not afraid of anybody, and you know I think yeah. that I think that they're going to come out trying to prove a point tomorrow. And you know we're recording this late Monday night, so Tuesday night, and I, I'm very curious to see how this Warriors team responds to it. Because, you know, like we were talking about this over the weekend, I really wish that this game had been last Friday instead of today. Because if the Warriors are 0-1 coming here to play Portland 
and maybe maybe potentially going 0 and 2. That's way different than being two and one and then playing Portland now. Like now they got a couple wins, things have eased off a little bit. But it, it just it just would have been a lot more interesting if they had come up here, you know, with the potential of opening the season with a two game losing streak against a good team on the road and seeing how they responded then. But I, I'm still very curious to see if they can come out with the kind of energy they need to beat these guys tomorrow. Because I don't think it's uh, going to be a walk in the park at all. Yeah, I've been in the I've been in this building. I've been in the Moda Center when the Trailblazers are pouring it on, and it, it's one of those where it gets away from you. And you can't get it back. So this is definitely um, this is a difficult this is a difficult one. And this and, is this is actually I just thought of this. This yeah. is the first time in the building since the since the Steph game, right? Oh wow, yeah, that's true. And um, <laughs> since the Steph game and since Draymond after that game uh, being asked if the Blazers were done and saying, "Do I think they're done?" Of course, I think they're done. <laughs> That's right. That was one of the great quotes of all time. <laughs> made me. I was watching that at home, and it made me so happy. Or I think I was in San Antonio. Yeah, I was watching it on TV, and I was just so happy. Tim, I, I, like, I can't imagine great. why anyone hates this team. It's just it just boggles the mind. <laughs> boggles the mind. It is. He is. He is. Draymond Green is so great from from a, from a writer standpoint. He's just. He's just so great. He's essentially a fictional character in real life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's why, you know, it's it's surprising nobody's written a 5000 word story about him recently. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 quite surprising. It's even more surprising is if if somebody wrote, you know, that article and it was just, you know, mostly consisting of available facts everybody saw <laughs> and then the response to it was shock and discussion about it from people aghast for a week. That would also be very very odd. That would be odd. It would be odd if it actually worked out exactly that way. Um, but let's talk about that for just a minute. Uh, sure. You know, we, we've been watching, you know, Draymond pretty closely through these first couple games. And, you know, he did have a very good last few minutes of the game yesterday. Um, and I think he ended up with, you know, whatever, 12, rebound, 12 rebounds and nine assists or something in that Phoenix game. But, you know, I think you and I agreed that for most of that game, he looked like he was pressing, especially on offense, and hasn't really other than brief stretches really looked like himself. Do you, do you think that maybe this, this transition has, like I suspected it might had, you know, as much or more of an impact on him than maybe anybody else in terms of how his role has changed on the team. I'd agree. He's getting more assists than I thought he would. Um, Looking at his numbers right now, he's at 6.3 assists over these three games. I thought that would take a dip with uh, Durant. So, so involved in the offense now uh, the shot has has not been there, and he's been weird with it. Um, it was weird when he launched that terrible three pointer after the aforementioned Steph Curry explosion. That you know Ste- Steph's heating up, and then that's just how early was that in the shot clock? It was it just was very weird. early, and you were immediately angry about it. <laughs> I was not angry. I was just surprised, right, disappointed. How whatever whatever word you want to use. At I'm the not time, his dad. I'm at, not his dad in Little League. I don't. It's, at the time, you were. I was sitting next to you at the time. You were immediately not happy. Like, what is going on? Why are you taking that shot? And you were correct. More, it was a terrible shot. I, I was more surprised. It was more of a "What is he doing?" <laughs> um, and then there was that other weird one where he was very wide open and he took forever. And man, did he miss wide left? What What yeah, was that? He missed that one. Then he had that. He had a couple drives into the lane where he just kind of like drove into four people and just flung the ball at the rim, and it had no chance of ever going in. It's, it's just it just feels weird. like he doesn't quite know where he fits anymore. It, it, yeah, it's, he's not getting his shots, and then when he's wide open, he's confused, 
And then sometimes he tries to get them when he's not. And it's just been, it's just been odd. It's been weird. He's, what is he shooting? Um, so far, uh, looking at the numbers is very exciting for all of your listeners. Uh, 36, well, it's three games, a small sample size, but 36%, 27% from three over these three games. Um, yeah, he, he looks like he just didn't fit in. The defense was kind of bad right up until the end of the Phoenix game where he essentially closed the Suns out and was brilliant on that end. And yeah, I do think he is, he has been about as out of place with the introduction of Durant, um, as we perhaps, uh, expected minus the assists, which he's still getting at a pretty good clip. Well, I do think too, like we have to, uh, I, I, you know, I think we do have to, to say, too, that of anybody in the NBA, you know, other than maybe Russell Westbrook, um, I, I don't know if there's anybody who plays with the kind of energy that Draymond Green normally does. Mm-hmm. And if if Draymond has decided, you know, and I, I don't only, I don't think it's wrong, given how long their seasons have been and, and how much wear they put on themselves. If if these guys are thinking, you know, let's just try to get through the regular season and, and then get to the playoffs and then we're going to show everybody, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if that if that kind of shows more in how Draymond is playing than anybody else. Just given if Draymond isn't playing with huge effort for every second he's on the court, given how much effort he normally plays with, that's probably going to show up more than if, say, Clay or Steph or Durant is is taking a few plays off. It's just way more noticeable because of Draymond's style of play when he decides to to take a breather for a bit. Definitely, and also his size. He's somebody who needs to play full tilt, I think, um, to compensate for some things. So, uh, yeah, it's very noticeable, and they rely on him so much, especially because there's no back line of rim protection like there's been in the past. So, um, yeah, that aspect's been noticeable. I think, you know, there's been some awkwardness with uh, with Steph. He hasn't looked completely like himself, even if physically he looks a lot better than he did in the playoffs. He's knifing into the lane um, a lot better, but he hasn't quite gotten the shot to go, which seems to be true of the, well, entire team. Yeah, I had some fans that were very panicky after the Phoenix game asking uh, if Steph Curry was, Curry was still hurt or if he if something was really? wrong. Yeah, there were, some, there were a few fans that were very concerned that, uh, that Steph didn't look the same and is he ever going to be the same again. I, I personally think he looks perfectly healthy. He looked- I, just, I just think it's a matter of... Um, you know, I think that he, both because of his personality and because he's the point guard, I think is trying to go out of his way to to allow everybody the space to kind of get used to things where, you know, like you brought up that that four for four streak he had the other night or the, the quick eight points. Um, last year, he would have just brought the ball up and shot it four more yeah. times in a row. Yep. This year, like he's cognizant that he kind of needs to make sure everybody's still staying involved, so he 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 might ease off the throttle a little bit more than he would have before. Yeah, and I guess this shows the Steph Curry standard that I'm holding him to when I say that the shot hasn't quite dropped. He's 48 percent from the field, 43 percent from three, so um, he's still doing okay, uh, even if even if uh, some people are freaking out that he doesn't quite look like himself I think he looks like himself I think he uh I think he has a lot more burst than he did in the postseason but I'm not watching on TV I'm at the game so maybe people are getting something different off TV well I look I think I think it's more that you look at what Steph Curry did last year and I think people just kind of unreasonably expect him to do that again I mean he is you know he was uh he was you know one of 
you know, he had one of the greatest seasons in NBA history last year. Yeah. It's almost undoubtedly the best season he'll ever have. And so to expect, you know, to expect to, to expect him to either a repeat that or b somehow exceed that, I think was just it's just not really fair to him because I, I don't I don't think he could even do that even if Durant wasn't here because I I don't know how you could possibly be better than he was last year. That's a fair point. And also, you have to wonder if he's going to benefit from the open shots that will come with Durant's addition. Because it it, it seems like you – I'm not even sure if I'm able to articulate what I mean right here. But there are guys who benefit from having kind of a diversified diet of not only those open shots, but some of the difficult shots where Steph was really – testing himself and just exploring and you might really take something away from his overall effectiveness if you if if that gets removed from what he does where he's not taking the 32 foot bombs um because other people need to be fed i i think that's a factor and that might reduce the overall stiffness uh that we saw last year yeah i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised at all and look like you know, for for all the talking we've done about the Warriors, Steph is 12 for 28 from three through the first three games, which is right about where he should be. Everybody else is 12 for 62. So yeah. if 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 that becomes, you know, 20 for 62 even, or 24 for 62, which is probably closer to where it would be most of the time, then, you know, these games are routes. And I, I, think, I think the Warriors would probably tell you that you know, once we once we get into a rhythm and we start making threes, all of these other things that we're talking about are just not going to really be as much of an issue. And that that's that's pretty clearly what they're banking on as the year goes on. That once they get into a rhythm, they're just going to be able to to out to just you know outshoot most of the problems that they have. Yeah, and that's a pretty good thing to bank on. Though I just get the sense when Kerr talks about how they need to get so much better, I I would agree. There's there's something about um, it, it's not just a matter of missing shots. There's something else that's missing so far, and uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to compensate for it? And maybe it's maybe it's the growth of Kevon Looney, Tim. Maybe it's that. It maybe be. that's what's needed. I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I do think that you know, we, you know, you're joking a little bit because I've given you a hard time at times about your love for for Kevon Looney, but I, I do, I do think that you know, you look at this Warriors team. It doesn't have anybody that can really protect the rim, and I, I'm I am legitimately curious to see what happens when this rookie center, Damian Jones, is healthy. Yeah, that's your Kevon Looney. Well, Damian it's not. Jones it's not that. It's your- not as my Kevon Looney. I just think they're going to try to play him because he he gives them something that they don't have. He's a seven footer with a thirty seven inch vertical who went to mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, which sounds an awful lot like Festus Azili, the guy they had before. Yeah, and you know they. You know, we've spent all this time, you know, yes, the sh- I agree with you. They need to do a lot of things better, and the shooting is an issue, and some of the bench stuff is an issue. But, you know, I, I really think the biggest thing this team is going to have to figure out is they just can't play the same kind of defense they did before because their centers are just incapable of stopping anybody at the rim. So yeah. if if they, you know, if 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 they don't, you know, if they're at some point I think they're going to have to try this kid at some point. They're clearly going to give Looney some minutes, but – you know, as we've joked, he runs like somebody who's 75, and it's hard to see how his body is going to hold up if you're going to try to play him more than you know, 15 minutes he's a game. He's an awesome rebounder, but not a rim protector. Right, he's not a rim protector either, even though he's long. He, I mean, he's, he's another guy like David West with really long wingspan, but he doesn't jump. So, you know, 
if if the if you know if Damian Jones you know either proves to be a typical rookie or kind of unable to do much more than that, it does kind of make you wonder what like what is the what is the move for these guys? Because I, I imagine you know once the when the buyouts start in the spring, you know I would think if there's anybody that can even remotely block a shot that hits the market. I would have to think that the first call they would be getting would be from these guys until they get somebody to come here. And they are extremely concerned about this flaw of theirs. I mean, that's even if they never admitted to it, it's clear because of two things. Well, three things. I got three things. A, half the uh, half half the uh, roster right. centers. Half the roster that, centers. <laughs> yeah, that's number one. I mean, they're 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 that's just the most looking. obvious one. They have a million big guys on the team, hoping one of them is good. It's it's really the epitome of throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yep. Uh, uh, number two, one of those centers is JaVale McGee. <laughs> uh, also number th- true. <laughs> number three, um, one of those centers uh, might have been Larry Sanders. They kicked the tires on Larry Sanders uh, during the summer and, and ultimately decided that uh, for a variety of reasons that just wasn't going to work. So, yes. They are incredibly concerned about this, and it's a demarcation if we're looking at this and asking, is this the most talented team ever assembled? And, and would it and would it really shock either of us if they get to January 15th and they reconsider the Larry Sanders thing? I'm not entirely convinced that. I, I wouldn't bet money that that would happen, and I think in the end they probably won't. But if this just does remain a problem, I wouldn't be shocked if they considered that. He would have to consider. He would have to reconsider some habits, and I think yes, then they <laughs> then they would reconsider him. But yes. the first is a prerequisite. Yes, I, I think all of that is fair. But I, I think the fact that the fact that that Larry Sanders was on the table as even a, a consideration, I think to your point, you know, certainly underscores. You know, the Warriors aren't dumb. I mean, they, you know, like you said, they have. They have seven guys who are probably, you know, are technically centers on the roster, basically for a reason. I mean, they they knew that they had enough of everything else, and then they hoped that, you know, they could find one of these guys that could play. And it's kind of a it's kind of amazing, isn't it? How old is Larry Sanders right now? Let me let me look that up. I'll look that up. Um, I think he's tw- I want to. I'm pretty sure he's 28 though. So Larry Sanders, oh, 27. He's going to turn 28 in a few days. 28, yeah, 28 in a month. Yeah. So Larry Sanders, 28 years old. Um, if he just got himself, if he just jogged for him, if he just got himself in a little bit of shape and said he was going to do what he needed to do to pass certain tests, I'm certain he would have a roster spot on this team and he just doesn't want it. And I guess all the power to him. Um, but a championship level team is desperate for the services of, of one Larry Sanders. If he could just put himself in that position and he just doesn't, he just doesn't want it. Yeah. It's one of, uh, it's one of many interesting <laughs> Many interesting things about Larry Sanders. Um, what do you, I mean? We have kind of talked about it, but let's let's assume that that they aren't able to really find a, a big change. What like you know? It's not that their centers are bad; they're just different. So, like, what do you do? You see, like, do you have any any opinions on on what they could try to do differently to try to make up for um, you know some of these some of these issues they have inside? Well- well, first of all, it's very generous of you to say it's not that their centers are bad. They're just different. I, I don't know if I can go all the way there. I'm not sure if I, I completely agree on that front. But Fair. they um, – Zaza is yet to look completely comfortable. We knew he wasn't a rim protector, but some of the other stuff, it, it seems like it seems like he's a little overwhelmed at times. And right. like a lot of seven-footers, 
and the way Bogut was. It might be a situation where one game, uh, one game he's good, the next game not so much. Um, but he's looked somewhat overwhelmed, and um, you know he's his passing. He's a good passer, but he's been overpassing. Obviously, he's struggled to finish at the rim. Um, but he needs to he needs to welcome the ball a bit more. I would say. Um, and it's understandable why he doesn't, it's understandable why he doesn't want to try to finish at the rim when it's not his strength, but I think he needs to be more decisive in doing that. And that would help matters. I, I'm not sure we know if David West has enough left. Um, the early results aren't great. Early results aren't great. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and, uh, JaVale, it probably means something that JaVale, who, uh, last, I remember was it the practice in New Orleans. I, he was he was taking three point hook shots and yes, demanding demand. I don't think anybody was actually betting with him. No, but he was he just was, car- he was demanding someone bet with him and no one was listening. <laughs> yeah, and then he was demanding money when he made the three point hook shots. And I actually had a really good conversation with him on whether that would ever become a thing. Whether somebody would um would ever popularize the three point hook shot. And he said when they did, it'd be unstoppable. I mean, when, when that did happen. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it would be Javale, probably in China. What if that years. ultimately rehabilitated his career? You know, like this guy shoots fifty percent, fifty percent on the three-pointer hook shot. I think. It's I think worth- Javale. I think the. I think the ultimate destiny for Javale is to play against uh, Andre Blatch in in China. Uh, both of them averaging like forty-five points a game in like the the semifinals of the the CBA. Like that that's, of playoffs, like that, that seems that sounds fantastic. That seems like the the final destiny for 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 him at this point. But I mean, look, I I think it says a lot that you know. I mean, we talked about Larry Sanders. I mean, I think it says a lot that Javale, even at this point in his career, when I mean, look, Javale has been on what three or four teams the last two years. I mean, he he was a a non factor for when he was in Dallas last year. Like, I think I think it says quite a bit that to the to the point we made before. You know, not only are they kicking the tires on on a guy like Larry Sanders, they they have Javale on the team also. And look, I, I you know, it's it, at some point you would figure that if if things don't get a lot better, they'll they'll at least attempt to throw him out there and see how it goes. And you know, even though we probably I'm know how it will go, I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten he hasn't really gotten run considering he had impressive moments in the preseason. I think it was. Go- pre- I think he's going to. I, it I was think a good preseason for Javale. He was pretty ultimately. good. He was pretty good. I, I mean, look, I think. There's a few things at play, right? You know, fans, fans, as you know, are immediately ready to just say, sit this guy and never play him again. But, you know, the Warriors, you know, Zaza is going to be the starting center, I think, all season, barring something crazy happening or some kind of unexpected trade. So. Or, or or Draymond's entire family on Twitter getting his way. <laughs> right. Keeping him from getting to the game, like stopping his car in the street. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that that, that backup spot, you know, look, I mean, David West was, you know, a guy they went out and really recruited hard to bring to Oakland to play for the Warriors. And, you know, if he doesn't look great, I think eventually they'll move on from him, but they're not moving on from him in three games in, in October. So, yeah. you know, but if, if we're if we're sitting here at in mid-December... <laughs> And things you do. Be something just occurred to me. Change. It's hilarious. What's that? We're, we're, we haven't even brought up that Anderson Verizhao is one of the 85 centers on the roster. Yes. Well, there's a reason why. <laughs> then why is he on the team? Is the is the next Anderson question? Anderson Verizhao is on the team to be a cheerleader at the end of the bench. 
I guess they do have that deficit. We mentioned it before. There's not a lot of joy on the bench. There's, so. there, it's, I think it, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a guy that, and look, Anderson Varejao, one of the friendliest, nicest people you'll meet, period, let alone the NBA team. Very nice. Incredibly so, nice. That, so nice, it, so nice uh, after, the, after the Phoenix game on his way out. That's right. Um, but, but Steve Kerr really values that, as we know. And, you know, I think having a guy like Verge out at the end of the bench is fine. Um, now, if, if he attempts to become an option to play, that would not be fine, as we saw during the finals and whenever, basically whenever he's gotten on the court ever since getting to Oakland last year. Um, mm. But, you know, but like a guy like David West is not just going to get benched. And so he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he can fit in and everything's fine. But if we're, if we're sitting they, here 20 need, games from now and it's not looking yeah. great, then they'll start maybe testing out JaVale and other things. They need David West to be invested because he's not just there to uh, pick and pop. He's there to be a bulwark against Draymond. That's part of why – that's part of what his role is. So you need that guy to feel like he's really part of the operation. And if he, um, and if he, and even if he feels like it and he's not playing, it's always harder to be that kind of a role when you're not playing. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's tough. If you're the, if you're the first big off the bench and you're David West, one of the, the toughest SOBs in the entire league who is a boxer and who, you know, nobody takes anything from, then it's, you know, then it's, you know, that's one thing. If you're a 37 year old David West, who's the 11th guy on the team, it becomes a very different calculus. And, yeah. It's, who yeah. are you old man? Right. Like, what, right. Yeah. As opposed to, as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, I, you know, just being able to, to stand up and have a voice. So, um, I just, I just paused for a second because, uh, one of our colleagues on the Warriors beat, uh, just tweeted out a story that says lawyer, lawyer says Draymond Green's pro Bart ad violates election law. <laughs> I'm just, I just, I'm just, what sort of controversies does this, does Draymond get himself involved in? Like, I, 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 I have to read this. This is in the San Francisco Chronicle. We can properly credit, so we're not, we're not accused of plagiarism on any, on any level here. Yeah. Uh, the Golden State Warriors' Draymond Green, no stranger to on-the-court controversies, was dragged into a political kerfuffle Monday involving kerfuffle. an ad. Kerfuffle. That's a, that's a neat to sure what's Strauss word. Not a brolio, uh, but a kerfuffle. <laughs> Uh, political kerfuffle Monday involving an ad he cut for Bart. At issue is not Green's aggressive style of play, but a <laughs> Bart-friendly video that a Lafayette attorney contends violates state law. That, quote, Draymond Says video was posted on Bart's website Wednesday with notifications of his existence poured while, oh, yeah, while notifications of his existence poured out by email and social media. In a 31-second clip, Green takes a break from practice to talk about Bart. Can we? I mean, you might need to pause this or edit this out. Can we just watch this video right no. now? I need to watch, watch this video. I'm gonna play it. Okay, right. I'm gonna play the video. Here we go. Bart is the backbone of the Bay Area. Bart and the Warriors have been connecting people across the Bay for 44 years. Bart needs to stay safe and reliable so future generations can enjoy games as well. Let's all show Bart some love and take Bart the next time we come to games. Um, okay. 
<laughs> so first of all, it looks like your guy Damian Jones might have been getting out of the bar in one of the first clips of well, it. I it tell. That was, okay, so for people, since you weren't watching and and no one else was, <laughs> oh, I was watching with the sound down. I was okay, watching. I saw so it. is is it? So this clip is just of uh, of Draymond talking to a camera and then just intermittently cutting to just shots of Bart cars <laughs> for thirty seconds. <laughs> I don't understand what he did wrong. I don't get this controversy. I don't get this it. This is great. Quote, Jason, oh, this guy, Jason Bezos. Jason Bezos, a Lafayette attorney, uh, blah, 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 uh, said the video clearly supports Measure RR and uses three of the campaign's common catchphrases. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> safe and reliable, backbone of the Bay Area, and 44 years, the system age. Quote, three catchphrases in 31 seconds. It was very carefully designed. <laughs> like, What? Given that the election is just a week away, Bezos says a commission ruling is not likely until after Measure RR is decided, but he's hoping the commission will at least announce that it's investigating I mean, his allegations. I mean, what is happening? <laughs> I don't I, – I don't understand. I mean the, th- the bottom line is that Draymond – I don't think Draymond can be punished for this. No, of his, course not. Of course not. But you know what? This is a great window. You can explain this right here to your listeners. This is a great little window in how these sorts of ads go, that you'll have these piddly little ads and these companies, and they try to get um, the star of the team, and then sometimes the star doesn't. Do you you want to expound upon that? Because that's an aspect of the NBA that I don't think a lot of people know. Yeah, I mean, all right. So, like, for example, let's just walk through what what undoubtedly happened here, right? (laughs) So... The, somebody calls uh, Rick Welts, the president of the, the Warriors, or somebody with the team, and says, "Hey, look, you know, you guys have a lot of people using Bart to come to your games. Would could you have one of the players read this promo, right?" So then Raymond Ritter, uh, Warrior PR czar, then you know, find somebody to, to shoot the video. So why don't you pretend to be, you know, why don't you do your Raymond Ritter impression and ask Draymond if he's gonna can you do the video? Okay, okay, Draymond Green, you good? You good, Draymond? Okay, we've got a little little Bart video, a little Bart video you can do. Just pop pop on over there, just film the video, and it'll, okay, we got that. It'll be a well. Now I, I don't want to start talking money, but I wonder. <laughs> I do wonder how much Bart paid for this. I am very right, curious. Who, yeah, about that. who knows? But right, Bart either. Whatever they do, they ten they get, grand, <laughs> ten grand for Draymond, you, Draymond turned, Green, green Ray like money, honey green. Now you've turned Ray Ritter into an auctioneer. Um, <laughs> over but, there, pop over there, ten <laughs> grand, fifteen grand. But yeah. highest bidder, Kevon. Oh, Kevon is leaving. Kevon <laughs> is going to the door. Draymond. Okay, okay, okay. Continue. So all right. So then, so Bart, right? Yeah, that's something we should have mentioned. So Bart will then inevitably, you know, donate some money or do something, whatever it is, uh, to the team. The team then cuts this promo, and like Draymond Green has no idea what's going on, other than somebody holds a script behind the camera and says, "Just read this for twenty-five seconds, Draymond, please." <laughs> Or even that, it might have been, given how many words, it was probably 10 seconds, and they just, like, cut the spaces in. It's like, here, read these three sentences, and then go back to shooting threes, or whatever you're doing before. When do you think the last time Draymond used Bard is? Uh, I I would guess never, right? (laughs) I mean, has he ever used, I mean, has Draymond Green ever used Bard? I can't, I mean, mean, of all the Warriors, I can't imagine anybody's used Bard. Right? I mean, maybe on the rookie contract. Uh, the, the, the practice I mean, facility maybe. is right next to a BART station. Maybe. But, maybe. 
that crazy BMW Draymond has, I don't think he's I don't think he's using Bart very often. No. I don't think any of the Warriors have I would I would bet none of the Warriors have ever used Bart. That that would be my guess. And I, I <laughs> that is extreme. I, well, I mean, I don't think it's that extreme. I mean, it's possible, you know. I mean, come on. They, they all they all drive to practice, they all drive to the games. I, I don't think anybody's rolling up, hopping on the Bart, you know. I mean, I guess like I could have maybe seen Mo Spates taking Bart at some point, but oh, he would be—he would love it. He'd be the king of Bart. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I just couldn't. I could. I, that was a very wide diversion of what we were talking about. But I'm glad sure. we did it because that was. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- God, the Warriors are just. This is just so stupid. So <laughs> well, what do you think if we're moving on to controversies? Okay. What about uh, Cookie Gate? Oh yeah, we have to talk about Cookie Gate. So. Uh, for those of you who have have been busy with your own Halloween plans this weekend, which is probably just about everybody else, since we're probably the two people who two of the few people who are not in, that enthused about Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron James always has a giant uh, Halloween party. LeBron very into Halloween, and at this year's Halloween party, uh, there were multiple shots taken at the Warriors. There was a a drum set of some kind with uh, or so, there was something. I think it was a drum set, but it with a uh, like this the background from the Warriors logo on it that said three uh, one lead, uh, obviously referring to how the how the playoffs went and the Warriors blowing uh, the three one lead. Uh, it does look like it was on. It looks like it was on a drum set uh, that a skeleton was playing the drums at. Interestingly enough, and then there also were cookies on the uh, on on the dessert table that look like they're. Penguins? I'm not even sure what they are. But then yeah. there are two random tombstones for Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry <laughs> among among the cookies. They uh, look like they look like uh, penguins. No owls. They look like owls. Oh, yeah, that, that they they're owls. They have to with be with like owls. that uh, that New Orleans um, that New Orleans symbol on. Yeah, the, with the fleur de Leon. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an odd. It's an odd move. At uh, it's an odd. It's an odd decoration for. And I I, I don't get why the tombstones uh, read for Steph Curry 2015 to 2016 and Clay Thompson 2015 to to 2016. It, it would seem that they were. Um, infants that they were babies who tragically died that well, would be I, I mean i i'm pretty sure that also refers to their their uh their 73 and 9 season going up in smoke and blowing the 3-1 lead uh, i guess i, I mean it, it would be a little morbid that. if they chose their actual birthday it, it would it would be weird uh it, it's weird either way it's weird all around i i it, now we it's talked weird. about this before i i gave my opinion how much how much do you think lebron knew about all of this well, you you told me, yeah, you told me that you think he knows. I guess he. It's a very LeBron move to be in control of everything. Look, LeBron is in but, control of everything. There's no way he didn't have. He didn't know exactly what was going on. There's no but, way this is going to be at his party. Go, hey, LeBron, we're going to have some Warriors jokes. Are you cool with? There's no way that didn't get run by him. No okay, way. but this isn't a very journalistically, especially responsible... since LeBron tweeted out. By the way, I just saw this. Which uh-huh. I, <laughs> LeBron is the one who Instagrammed that picture of the. Uh, of the uh of the, the the cookies so at that point it doesn't matter i think at that uh, point I think it, at that point it just signifies that lebron yeah. is fully in charge yes yes I, I i would say so because that was a question of mine a very responsible journalistic question of uh how do i know about this thing <laughs> like we're in an age where we 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 learn about things and we just have no idea even what the original source of it is yeah, but lebron king james yes uh, the dessert table is phenomenal three phenomenal points 
Oh, man. I think, I think uh, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, because it's not a particularly impressive dessert table unless he means about that. I'm looking at the dessert table. I was just at a wedding at a better platter yeah, than that. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> wow, look at you. Just taking shots at LeBron's Halloween party. Hey? I'm just saying it was a very – I mean, it, it was it was an incredible – they had the chocolate-covered strawberry. Look, we're not going to get into all that. But, um, but yes, it's a, it's a good dessert table. It's got a nice little – is that an ice sculpture or glass sculpture? Looks like um, an ice sculpture. Ice sculpture. I look. I don't want to. I don't want to hate on the dessert table. I'm just saying that it's not so amazing that you would take a picture if you're LeBron James and can probably have the most extravagant dessert table known to man, um, unless that's the meaning. I think that's what I'm saying. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree. This this is our jobs, Tim, to talk about things. This like is that. this is our job. We're this going to be at job. shoot around tomorrow, and this will come up. This oh, not only will it come up. It will be the story tomorrow. All yes. It will be yes. the story. How how did the Warriors respond to Cookie Gate? What yeah. do they say? What do they do? That's that's what it'll be. Um and Steph will say something boring. Clay might say something interesting. I mean that's that's what I'm What's our what I'm, right. Clay is Clay is the only bet to say something interesting, right? I guess yes. maybe Draymond, but Clay Clay is pos- Clay is capable of saying something crazy especially since he uh especially since he was one of the tombstones like you know i I could see i could see clay saying something interesting like when he uh like you know he he was the one who was just like yeah we could win 70 games you know Mm -hmm. and everybody else was trying to tow the company line draymond now is in the news stream because he said that he wants to annihilate cleveland which i didn't I sometimes I just don't know why things are news. I don't get why it's news. He he was expressing that he wants to beat the Cavaliers if it comes to that again. He wasn't saying it's going to happen. If he said it's going to happen, if he said we're going to annihilate Cleveland, then I would get it. Uh, but he was just speaking to wanting to do it. So maybe I'm missing something. But now that's also a thing. Yeah, I think I think the lesson here is that also uh, why is there no Draymond cookie? And also is Draymond offended that there's no Draymond Tombstone cookie? <laughs> Well, you just uh, you just came up with two more questions to ask tomorrow. Oh, I'm sure he'll love those. I'm sure he'll love that question uh, coming coming uh, from. I'm today. sure he will. Now, before we go, it's a it's a couple days away, but uh, after the Warriors play here tomorrow night on Tuesday, uh, we will go back to Oakland uh, briefly, and the Warriors will post the Thunder on Thursday in one of the most anticipated games of the year, and I am just curious. Uh, you know, from I know you haven't got a chance to see Oklahoma City play a whole lot because we've been actually on the road at games and at home watching on TV. But um, what just kind of what is your take on the Thunder at this point? And uh, you know, what do you think that atmosphere will be like in Oakland on Thursday? The atmosphere will be cool, but I it's it's really a one sided rivalry at this point um, in terms of where all the passion is. So it's going to be a hyped game. I'm excited to see it. But it's not as though the Warriors have been consumed with the Thunder. It's not as though they've really been taking any shots at the Thunder. And when rather benign things have been said by Duran about enjoying playing with uh, with selfless teammates, and I'm trying to even remember the comments that that caused a similar controversy. Well, Durant, to look, I think it's fair to say Durant has taken some shots. You think yeah. they're their shots, huh? Well, I mean, look. The one day when we were in Vancouver and Durant went on and on and on about how he isn't doesn't feel like a drill sergeant anymore and he gets to have fun at practice now and like things are just so much more fun. I mean, those are those are. I'll, let me put it this way: 
Those are as much a shots as Russell Westbrook having an ad that says some run, some make runways. Mm. And then having another ad where for a minute he's dancing around and a bunch of other people are dancing around and they're all not, you know, not, uh, you know, not subtly and not ironically singing. Now I do what I want. I just love the NBA. It's, it's, it's the best. It's, it's as best. much as as much of a shot as this other thing where people are dancing around and saying, "I can do what I want." Right. Like, are we in a musical? Right. Well, are we living in a musical well, right now? First of all, we are living in a musical because we cover <laughs> the NBA, and it is the greatest thing in the world because <laughs> stupid stuff like this happens all the time. I mean, think about the last five minutes. We talk about somebody dancing around singing in an ad, and we talked about cookies, and we talked <laughs> about uh, Draymond Green getting in trouble for just saying uh, "Ride the Bart." <laughs> that, that's what that's where we're at and for people well, who don't here's live the thing, regardless we probably of what should go back this is way late now we should clarify for people who don't live yeah. anywhere near oakland or the bay area the bard mm-hmm. is like this is their version of the subway so yeah. basically draymond green got in trouble for saying uh support <laughs> the subway <laughs> um I, I think he's a good pitch man too he was really into it it was good delivery he did, he did seem into it but um yeah I, i'll say this Regardless of whether Durant meant something that's a shot, how he actually feels seems to be a shot. And it's hard to get around that, uh, where he didn't like playing with Westbrook and he wanted to play here. And what's interesting about it, and here's the question I'll pose to you. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if we could really break down how the dynamics are different between why, why Shaq left Kobe and how that was received versus why Durant left Westbrook and that was received because I think they're similar situations but the way the public reacted a lot different in terms of who the hero and who the villain was when that happened um to be clear I don't think there are heroes and villains in any of this so you're you would argue that people cast Kobe as the villain then Oh yeah, back then it was the, the yeah. popular meme was he ran Shaq out of town. Well, okay, no so, one's accusing Westbrook of running Durant. Yeah, out of- I think there's a couple differences, right? I mean, yeah, the first, no, there are definitely differences, but I think it's intriguing to you like. No, it look is. At, it is. Yeah. It is intriguing, and I and I've thought a lot about Kobe and Shaq. The last, cause, you know, thinking about this game coming up, like you know, I, I don't think I don't think that these guys were were anything like Kobe and Shaq in terms of the fact that that Kobe and Shaq like really just were. Added open, all the openly time. hated each other. Right, and and I, you had to choose a side yes, even before the break. Yes, and and look, I I don't I think anybody that would try to tell you that Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were enemies or hated each other, I, I that's not true. Yeah, they, those guys were friendly, and they they didn't, but they didn't hang out either. They had their own groups. They did their own stuff. Kevin is not married. Russell is. They had just very different lives, but but they were friendly, and it's it it's not like they didn't get along. I think the main difference though is that Shaq agitated for a contract extension and basically said either, you know, get rid of one of us, right? Mm-hmm. So, at that point, you know, Dr. Buss, you know, I think smartly got rid of the guy who was, you know, older and had injury troubles and had a propensity to not work out as much as mm-hmm. he got into with the later part of his career. It was it was the smart move. Yeah, it was the it was the cold-blooded move. Get rid of Shaq and, and keep people, the And people Laker fans will maybe uh not want this remembered, but really it, the blame went to Kobe. 
Yes, Kobe got the blame. Well, and also the other the other thing that is a factor here is that Colorado. Kobe, well, right. There were some certain personal situations that were going on and were had gone on that mm-hmm. I think, you know, certainly play a picture play a part in people saying, Well, why are you keeping this guy as opposed to the other guy? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any doubt there. The other thing is in this situation, Durant chose to leave. And I, I think this is analogous to what LeBron did too, because I think if Durant had chosen to go play for the Spurs or the uh, the Celtics, um, I, I think it would have been the same if you somehow that somehow that Clippers thing worked because everybody hates the Clippers anyway. But mm-hmm. if he had gone to the Celtics, I don't think that there would be much blowback from. No, it. I don't think so it's, either. It's like LeBron choosing to go play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. It's the fact that Durant not only chose to leave but chose to go play for or play with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. I don't think it's been quite as venomous as LeBron because no. they didn't have the And, and we've seen that on the rally. road. We, we we haven't seen Venom on the road. I think yeah. Portland will be the first place we see Venom. Yeah, I mean, we're the last two games, you know, the crowds were half half into the game. The, you know, the the crowd in New Orleans just isn't great. I mean, that franchise is a mess and not only mm. are the Suns kind of a mess, it was also playing opposite the the Cardinals-Packers game that you were intently watching on television in the media room. So um, there were plenty of fans, I think, that were probably at that game instead or watching it at home. But, um, yeah, tomorrow will be a total circus, and Durant will get booed. But but even still, I, I was at some of those LeBron games in 2010. I, I don't think that – That was – I wasn't there for those, but it seemed like blood was in the air. Yeah, and that was because – that was because of the, the decision – which, I mean, people have criticized Durant for, say, not taking out an ad in the paper in Oklahoma City. And, I mean, that's fair. And he, he could have handled the exit a little better. But LeBron not only has a decision, not only leaves, like, the area where he grew up to go to Miami, but then they go to Miami and have that insane pep rally. And just then it just becomes this whole thing. And, you know, everybody wants them to lose every second they step on the court. The Warriors already have, you know, the Warriors, people are rooting against now. And as we see with the 3-1 meme, like people are very happy to poke fun at them whenever possible. Um, But I I don't think it's quite the same level of venom as that. But I do, but I do think that because of the way Durant chose to leave, and let's also be honest, right? Even though it's kind of a phony move, Westbrook taking the extension at the same time was a brilliant PR play. Because oh, he got he got some of the love that Durant got after he took his extension. Yes, after LeBron left. Yes, when Durant tweeted out the five year, you know, I'm staying for five years. Just tweet, sent out a tweet. What What of these days we'll learn that these guys are just mercenaries who just uh, <laughs> sign extensions that suit them? One of these days we'll learn that. that well, there's no I mean, real it, morality is, to it, it is really interesting that you know, you know, we'll wrap up on this. You know, like we spent all this time kind of analyzing this stuff and. You know, we've talked about this privately. It is it is fascinating how, you know, the 15 guys that are on a basketball team, If we you know, let's say we count the, the five or 10 coaches and the GMs and people. Let's say 25 people that are the main hub of a basketball team, 25 to 30 people. It's basically just a small business, right? It's mm-hmm. like if you work in an office with 30 people and you're going to get along really well with five or six of them. You're probably really not going to like five or six of them. And the other 20, you're going to be fine with. And that that's basically what, Every NBA team is like some teams you might, if it's, you know, not as great of a work environment, you might have more people you dislike. If it's a great work environment, maybe there's less people you dislike and it's, it's slanted a little differently, but I, I do, you know, I know it is because people are idealistic about their sports teams and they, they kind of project things they want to see, but it is kind of fascinating that people 
act like these guys need to be best friends and everybody should get along and why, you know, why isn't everybody, um, you know, why aren't Russell Westbrook well, ironically, and Kevin Durant best friends and all that kind of stuff. It, it just, it's very interesting to me. I, ironically, the community's love and adoration for these guys is what prevents them from being true members of the community. Right. It, it puts them apart where they're living in a bubble where this is their experience of what the team is and what it means. So yeah, they're, they're not really, they're not really interfacing with, um, with, with just the general fan experience. And that's why something like the decision that's as tone deaf as that can happen. Um, that, that really explains it. Well, so, I'm even, but I'm even talking about just how the guys relate on the team. I mean, we've talked about yeah. this all the time. Like last year, everybody's like, Oh, look at the Warriors. Look how much fun they're having. Like best chemistry in the league. Yeah. And I think, you know, between your recent story and just from, you know, just for anybody who's, you know, we've both were around all the time last year. You know, that, that was not that everybody was not singing kumbaya before and after every game there people still assume that too i mean my my story comes out and i i thought it would be fairly clear some of the things happening in the locker room and yet i have people asking me and it it keeps happening again and again if i can even go in there they they think that this is just an entity where everybody is lockstep right just completely unified and i've attacked the core principles if you walk into the locker room are you going to get swung at yeah, yeah. Right. People think that, and I think you've you've been around. That's not that's not really the case. Not the case. It's, people it's just like, think you're a weirdo, like usual. Yeah, it's not any different. <laughs> it is exactly how it was before. But it, yeah, it's just the, it is it, the whole thing is the whole thing is fascinating. I mean, it, it's it's uh, this team this team has wound up being as uh, as fascinating as as we expected it to be. Um, so you know we'll. It's definitely been it's definitely been good for that. So before uh, before you go, uh, I'm sure everyone already follows you, but tell the people where to follow you and uh, do you, you know plug whatever plug whatever your next uh, your next missive is on the team. I'm at Sherwood Strauss. Uh, my next missive will probably be just like what you're doing, um, a setup piece on this Thunder game. And uh, I guess the the other plug, the other thing I want to get in there. Um, hey, Delta. I'm I'm considering shifting <laughs> from Southwest to shifting to you guys. I just need you to match my status. Um, I've submitted my forms. If you could expedite that, I would appreciate it. I will be traveling and following this team around. It will be good business for you. So that that's what I'm saying. There that's you, what I'm plugging. There there you go. There you go. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can follow me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, please subscribe to uh, my newsletter. Just started last week. Um, you know, give that give that a read. I'm going to have original content in that every week, plus links to my work and the work of others, as well as some uh, some you know a, a viewing guide for the week's games, some other stuff, uh, some some eating and uh, and pop culture tips from people uh, that I, stuff that I've either read or, or been to or other people have recommended to me. So I uh, really encourage you to check that out. Uh, please go and give the podcast a five star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps a lot. Um, it's not a not a small thing. So if you could do that, that would be great. Um, thank you as always to Glenn Yoder and the Western States uh, for the theme music for the podcast. It's really appreciated. Uh, you can find all my work at the Washington Post um, or online at WashingtonPost.com. Uh, so please please go there uh, and, and please subscribe to the Post. We still got a. I know we have a deal. I think it's ninety nine cents a week for. I don't know if it's for the rest of the year. There's a there's a deal right now. Uh, 
that, that you know, if you go, you can get a, a great deal on, on, you know, an unlimited subscription to the best newspaper in the country. So, so do that and then go check out. We've got a ton of other great podcasts. Uh, you know, one of my bosses, Mike Hume, with uh, a couple of my colleagues, Gene Wong and Des Beeler, do a great job on the, uh, the fantasy football beat. So go listen to that if you're into fantasy football, if you're trying to get ready for the playoffs. Uh, Lillian Cunningham's done an incredible job with Presidential. That's starting to wrap up now. We've got a ton of other podcasts. Uh, go, go check that out. Um, oh, you can find all of those uh, either on our SoundCloud page, which is, I think, WashingtonPost.com slash – or uh, SoundCloud.com slash WashingtonPost. Uh, so go check that out. But plenty of stuff there to find, all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, we'll be back here again probably in a couple days to, uh, to preview – what should be a really entertaining game Thursday night in uh, in in Oakland between the, the Warriors and Thunder and the return of of uh, or the the first meeting of, of Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant as as uh, opponents in their NBA careers so should be fascinating but thank you thank you to Ethan uh, for an entertaining podcast thanks to everybody for listening and we'll talk to you all again soon. <laughs>